Uh, let's welcome uh, the writer-director, um, Ben Bray. What's happening, hey, ben, John? How are you? Do you go by Benjamin or just Ben? I notice everything says Ben. Just Ben. It is It is Benjamin. I think the only one ever called me Benjamin was my mother was mad at me. She got she, she, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just gave you nightmares then when I called you Benjamin. So. <laughs> he did um, some bad flashbacks. Well, so first of all, let me make a, a note to the viewers we have here, just that if you have questions, we're going to try to get to the questions. We can just put them into the, your, the chat function of wherever you're watching, uh, Facebook or YouTube, and uh, we'll get to as many as we can um, as we go along. So just be aware of that. But so, Ben, um, let's talk a little bit about that. We, we try to avoid origin stories here with particularly the art tech series because you know sometimes it's too much about like oh you know i i like picasso and i i you know i'm inspired by flowers which is all fine but we really want to kind of be brass tacks about filmmaking here but your story really should resonate with a lot of people who follow the collective because a lot of there's a lot of young filmmakers involved you know you're doing what a lot of the, you did what a lot of them want to do which is um earn their way into the industry. Can you kind of give a little bit of a review of how that worked for you and how you got there? Oh my God, what a journey that was. It was, you know, it's funny. Uh, it was, it started off kind of really like a happy accident. I was, um, I was boxing. I was, I was training as a fighter. I had a brother who was on the U S Olympic team and, and, uh, uh, great fighter. And, um, and, and I'm glad I had a great reference because I knew I wasn't that good. So I knew I had to figure something out. So um, I was I was training in the day, and I and I and uh, I was taking night classes. I was an English major, and just trying to figure it out what I was going to do. And I was actually in a boxing gym training, and a stunt coordinator and a director by the name of Nigel Dick um, saw me hit in the bag. And actually they approached me and asked me to audition for this stunt acting part as a fighter. Uh, I think the film was called Dead Connection back in 1989. So my brother uh, and, and I got in the ring, we put a fight together in a few minutes, auditioned right on the spot and I got the part. And it was uh, a Michael Madsen, Lisa Bonet. And when I was on set, I was there for two weeks and just got the bug. I fell in love with it. I did. I had. I knew. I was a huge fan of of TV media and and you know going as a is a kind of a a poor Mexican American kid in 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 the hood in the ghetto. It was like that was the only thing we really could afford was 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 that small medium was to watch television all the time. It was from Chips to Ironside and all these great shows. Um, and I guess maybe it was a subconscious thing, but I got really fortunate and. When I was on set, uh, I met all these great stunt guys. Uh, and what I would say, what I call, we call them brown guys, Mexican-American stunt people that were on set. And I just started asking a million questions. How do you get in this? This is my first job. I got Taft Heart lead in. Um, and I was really lucky. And, uh, and I, some of those guys took me under their wing. The guys like Tommy Rosales, Jimmy Ortega. Toby Hogan, these are names that are very familiar in the industry. And one of the more, more, more important guys in the business that really got me started, he was a Stunts Unlimited president here in Los Angeles. That was Ron Stein and, uh, and another gentleman by the name of Steve Buckingham. There's a few of them and Dan Bradley. Um, but there was these guys that really just gave me an opportunity. They saw this spark and this enthusiasm to be in the business. It was, it was uh, a new world for me especially yeah. coming coming from the neighborhood I grew up in. So it just it just kind of snowballed. From there, um, I learned to slide cars and fire burns and high falls and wire work. Um, and, and knowing that this was like being an athlete, you can only do this for so long. And if you wanted to have longevity and last, um, you need to learn camera, lenses, understand what it's going to be like when you can't go through a window anymore. And it's the next generation of stunt guys and girls that you're, you're bringing up. And so I did that. I was really fortunate and um, and also took some acting classes and got myself a few parts so that I could, you know, really make a living at it. Yeah. And uh, once that started happening, I made the transition. Um, I met David O. Russell on uh, Three Kings. I was doubling Cliff Curtis and uh, David knew I was uh, I was I was also training a few uh, few fighters and a few actors on the side for money. 
uh, for extra income. And David was a big boxing fan, Ali fan. And uh, Dan Bradley, who was the coordinator, said uh, they were looking for an actor to play this specific part in Three Kings with uh, George Clooney. And it's a it's a scene in Three Kings where they're trying to look for Mark Wahlberg's character who's been tortured by the enemy and um and it's it's he's in this kind of cave cavern and there's uh an impact shot of both of us falling backwards and i'm carrying all these uh 501 jeans um it was it was a, it was a fun part yeah i love that movie god, That's great. god i was young um but david really uh we just really clicked we talked about boxing we talked about filmmaking and stories and i was just learning so i was absorbing it all and we continued our friendship after we wrapped the film in Hollywood. And while he was editing, uh, I was training. I was, I was, we were doing the mix together and, and working out and doing some morning runs. And, um, and he became really my, my, uh, my mentor, one of, one of, my, one of my mentors. And um, he gave me my first opportunity as a stunt coordinator um, on together. Um, broke up there a second. On what show? Uh, I Heart Huckabees. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, with Jude Law. And in the midst of it, he started introducing me to other directors like uh, Spike Lee and, and uh, Spike Jones, excuse me, Spike Jones, and also uh, uh, Gavin O'Connor and Joe Carnahan, which became, you know, my other mentor uh, within the industry. And I just started moving up the ranks from there. Yeah. You know? Well, I think that, you know, that I get the story resonates for me, certainly, in reflection to how my career started, which I think everybody can really understand is, first of all, be really open to new opportunities and ask questions. I mean, don't be annoying, but get out there and when you're on set, ask questions, meet people, be friendly and be a sponge because that's kind of how my career started too, as an assistant, just absorbing information, but not being annoying, you know, and it really can carry you because you find these people who want to support you. Yeah, most definitely. And it was like, and I, I had I had no formal training. I wasn't. I didn't go to. I didn't have to go to film school, and I didn't finish. Uh, you know, uh, college. So it was like I learned by watching. I learned by doing. And here are these people that are making a living at it. And so, like you said, like a special watching and seeing everything, looking at the call sheet, and understanding each department. You know yeah. what they did yeah. and what their responsibilities were. And um, man, it was a blessing. It really That's was. It was really, That's really great. Yeah. Well, obviously, it served you very well. So let's uh, let's you. dig into a little bit about some, let's talk about stunts a little bit, just because you have such a background in that. And I know just looking at El Chicano alone, you dealt with stunts from a director's standpoint as well. So when, when you, and try to, let's frame this all from the perspective of a low budget filmmaker who's trying to figure out how to do some of these things that may be a little bit beyond their experience level or potentially their budget. So when you, what's the most important thing when you consider filming stunts? What, what would you give advice to a young filmmaker when they're faced with a show that has a stunt sequence? And how, how do they approach that? I think the first priority in, in any real tell you this is, is safety first. Um, and I know as a filmmaker and being hungry and shooting guerrilla style, you want to get that shot. You want it. You want to have this incredible, just as much as the dialogue and the words on paper are telling a story, and, and just as much as the action is too. I, I've always believed that a fight is literally dialogue to me. Um, so you know, you have to approach the safety aspect of it. You always have to have that keep that in the back of your mind because the worst thing can happen is you lose one of your actors. If someone gets hit in the eye or breaks a bone, then then you're really in trouble. You know, to finish the film or finish your short film or whatever you're doing. Um, as in reference to what the media is. Uh, and so for me, safety is the first deal. And trying to see, you know, I always tend to write things if I have $150 million. I, 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 don't, I don't, in my mind, I'm not thinking, oh, I only have $30,000 to make this short or try to make a film out of, even if it's on an iPhone. Um, um, you know, so my mentality is always, write it the way you 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 see it and you and you visualize it and then go from there and compensate okay how can i do this at 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 lowering the cost but still get the same effect of what what the storyline is and what that action piece is and I, that's what i try to do great so yeah i agree the, also the safety thing i think 
most people are fairly savvy these days. You've seen so many disasters on set where people, even big budget projects, didn't really take that moment to be safe. Um, or, or maybe they just let something slide that they shouldn't have and with disastrous consequences. But is there a way to approach safety on a budget? You know, if you are faced with things like um, just simple fight scenes or something, um, are there tools or tricks that maybe aren't so expensive, but people just thought that way they could actually be a lot safer considering those? Well, I think one of the things is, is, is if you can find rehearsal time, especially on the weekends, even going to a park, if it's a smaller budget, walk through the action. If, if it's a fight, um, I think the most important thing you, doesn't matter if it's a $100 million budget or you got 10 grand in your pocket or you know five grand in your pocket, it's rehearsal time never changes. It's walking through punches, giving and taking, trying to sell those reactions. And because the more that you rehearse it, um, the more, the more it's going to have fluidity and it's going to look organic. Um, um, so that's, that's for me, anything, anything that we do is in reference to, you know, for those safety precautions, even if it's a lower budget is walking through the action. And you're so right. It's like, you know, one of the things is, um, uh, you know, it's the simplest things that get you hurt is these, these simple pratfalls or just, or just a one punch, one take punch you have to do. Anything goes wrong. I, I've seen it happen over the years. Um, but the rehearsal time is really important. I think that, you know, when you have moments when you have to shoot gorilla style, hurry up. We, we've got 10 minutes and we get a shot in the corner and let's get it. We'll go handheld, the whole deal. That's wonderful. But it's it can be really dangerous if you don't put in the time to go, thank God on Saturday we went to the park in North Hollywood just yeah. to walk through this fight. That's, you know, it's got like 10 or 12 beats. Um, yeah. I think that is the biggest thing. And, always, and like I said, and always adapt to, even though you want some, try to figure out what you can, and the creative juices of a director is really challenging yourself going, listen, I'd love to be on top of a freight container doing a big fight like we did in El Chicano. And they're, they're all, they're hooked up on above wire with a harness. Can't do it. So let's try to bring it down to the ground and figure out some cool obstacles to give us the same effect without getting anybody in danger, just not having the money that to, you know, to hook somebody up safety wise. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So when, when you talk about, uh, first of all, if somebody were doing a low budget film, um, how accessible are stunt coordinators or even young, not young, but people maybe who are not, who are stunt people who have not reached the coordinator level, meaning they're not doing that full time. Can people reach out to, Stunt coordinators, stunt actors to say, would you help me figure this out on a, you know, I only have a few bucks, but I mean, is there an openness to that in the industry? All the, all the time, <laughs> all the time, um, all the time. I think, and that's, I think that's, what's great about our community is we really are. Um, it, it's like a brother and, and a brother, I'd say a brotherhood and a sisterhood. It's a second family. And it's, um, we always want to encourage the next generation, uh, um, to, to strive to, to, to make that transition. Cause you know, unfortunately we all, we all get to that age where we, we're going to, we're getting ready to retire and, and the next generation is coming up. So I, I'm always, especially a lot of my colleagues at, uh, at ISA International Stunt Association, we're always open to answer questions from film students at USC and UCLA and AFI. Um, I think that's really important. I mean, I get calls now, right now um, there's uh I guess he's young. He's gonna he's gonna bust my chops. But Marco Morales, who's who's basically coordinating his first big film, and it's in it, and I think it's only his second or third credit. And John has a wonderful opportunity to to coordinate this film called Cop Shop. Um, we've had our conversations. You know, I, I, I my phone is hot. You can call me whenever you want. If there's a question you have, you know. I'll, I, I'm sure I can answer. And if I can't answer, I'll get somebody that I know that I can answer. If it has to be, you know, integrated with rigging or setting up, a, 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 you know, a car jump or a fire burn or high fall, um, I think it's important that you're always able to give back and and be an open book for anybody that's that's coming up. Um, I'm that way. Frank Torres, my, uh, my, uh, my, now my, my stunt coordinator, that's so weird to say, my stunt coordinator, my business partner, uh we feel that it's, it's it's really important to teach the next generation or the guys that are just making transition 
because it is um it could be very non-glamorous there's a lot going on not only just with the stunts but budgets and mandates and making your budget and dealing with upms and producers and your actors and making sure that they're confident with you and you're able to 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 make them all feel safe great yeah. yeah, that's good. Uh, I was actually trying to find a still so I could at least have a visual for this. But when we we're going going back to safety briefly, it just popped into my mind as you were talking. Um, I used to shoot, I used to shoot stunt some stunt photography and a lot of yeah. cars, things like that. Oh, cool. And, and I was I was going to say, there's a story. Speaking of like the simplest things that are a problem, and I can't remember the name of the stunt coordinator. This is like back in the mid late '80s or something like that. So it's been a lot while, but. Um, really good guy. We did a lot of great stuff, and we had this one shot where um, this there's a van going ahead on this country road, and a Mercedes is supposed to come behind it and, and kind of ram into it. And the shot yeah. that they wanted was chasing them, so chasing the car, and then craning up over to see the contact because that was significant uh, contact. And so I was on a crane on a camera truck in a on a country road, and the idea was we'll go kind of slow and, you know, we'll just do this and then we can speed up a little post or something like that. Well, the van driver, the camera car driver and the Mercedes driver, none of them really knew who was driving the speed. And so the van started going a little faster and the Mercedes started going a little faster. So the van went faster thinking he was getting too close. Basically I'm flying down this country road on the end of a crane bouncing up and down, trying to hold on. Oh. And just because, there's that one little thing. Everything else was perfectly coordinated, but that one little like who sets the speed, and it didn't. You know, so it's the simple yeah. thing. And that was a USA film. You know, it, it happens. Oh, it I've matches. been there. Yeah. I, I've been there. And sometimes it'll be where you you you've had your safety meeting before everybody gets in their vehicles, and you've talked about you know you've done a couple of dry runs beforehand to figure out okay, well, we'll say twenty five, and. For whatever reason, you'll get in the you'll get in the vehicle, and I've been there. It's like, okay, uh, hey Mitch, are you at twenty five? It looks yeah. like you're. I'm not sure, but you got to let me know. And all of a sudden, radio, you yeah, can't, there's you can't hear anything, and all of a sudden you're trying to guess it, and it's and it's tough to abort. I've I've been in those yeah. situations, man. Yeah. It's crazy. crazy. It's uh, it's you know, it's a dangerous uh um occupation. You know, it takes a very uh you know, kind of unusual different type of personality to do that for a living. I, 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 I know, uh, I look back some of the things that I'm like, I can't believe I did. My wife says, I can't believe you did that. You know, yeah. I, I can't believe I did it either. They're great so, stories. They're great yeah. stories. So getting back to the, uh, you know, a young filmmaker or a smaller budget project trying to find a person, how would they reach out to find somebody to help them guide them on, maybe, you know, just guide them on a stunt sequence or give them some advice or even go as far as, you know, a, a, a hiring them to coordinate a sequence. Is there a place they can reach out to or where would you recommend they, how do they get somebody? There's, there's, there's a few organizations. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's a, we have these, these stunt groups, which I think is one of the easiest things to do. Stunts Unlimited, which is in Los Angeles. Uh, uh, International Sun Association, which is in, I think they're, we're in Sherman Oaks now. We're right off of uh, Van Nuys Boulevard of Ventura. Um, I don't know what the Stuntman Association is. I think they're in Studio City, but it's always great to call those guys and reach out because there's, um, there's younger, um, younger members in the group that are always looking for young directors that are coming up or or new or new uh, or up and coming stuntmen they can mm -hmm. connect with and they can always drop off a picture and a resume or even make a phone call and definitely someone will get back to them or and, and they're even and if you go to the websites you just google those websites again for international stunt association uh stuntmen uh stunt uh, Men's uh, Association, International Stunt Association, got it all associations, uh, Brand X, and uh, Stunts Unlimited. Um, they, on the websites, they'll have an email. And it's always great to reach out. The secretary will reach out to figure out somebody, one of the members that they can keep in contact with, uh, get in contact with, and ask any questions they have or see if there's anything they can help them with. I remember when I started coordinating, I, I did a few a AFI films. And I think I did two films from USC um, 
which were great because you know you, even even as students coming in with a little bit more experience you're still learning you're always learning something new yeah you know so it's it's great it's that 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 would be the best way to, okay. to do that let's jump into a question real quick joe b is asking i can pop this up on set he says uh he's an action performer would like to get into wire work rigging and also motion capture what's the best way for a performer to get picked for those type of specific the best way to do is is Joe, if you have uh, if you have a resume set up with all your special skills and your headshot, is again to drop it off at each one of those organizations that you that you can um, that you can find online, and you can either submit it through an email or drop it off in person to the offices, and tell them what you're looking for, and it's and it's all about looks. Too, so that's a great thing. He's got a great look, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna real quick. You said. Let me just help this real quick. You said Stunts Unlimited, right? Is one. Stunts Unlimited, um, which I, I think they're in Los Angeles. I just put a link up on the chat for everybody for that. What's the, one of the other ones? Okay. Um, the other one, International Stunt Association. That's I'm an honorary member there now. Um, and that's in Sherman Oaks. Okay, that's ISA Stunts. I, so I'll put ISA here. Stunts. There we go. Okay. And, Great. And uh, yeah, Stuntman's Association, which I think they're in Studio City. Let's look that up. We're doing this live. People are watching us Google. <laughs> <laughs> all for the greater good. So here we go. That's okay, right. there we got all three of them there now. Okay, so let's jump forward a little bit on, on shooting the stunt scene. So let's say you have a fight scene, two people fighting. Um, how and this is good because it starts segueing us into your directing because you had to understand this as a stunt coordinator, but then as a director, you really have to understand it. How how do you approach choreographing that and, and shooting that, the angles that you choose to shoot a fight sequence that are most effective? I know it's, these are like big questions. Oh, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I, I try to keep things as simple as possible. In reference to like setting up the shots and what's going to sell for camera and what we're trying to accomplish, it's adapting obviously what, what's in the story and what I'm trying to tell. Again, like we talked about, I really think any 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 action piece, anything you put together, it's telling its own story also. And um, the great thing about technology today is is everybody's shooting what's called prevets, which I'm sure you know you know what those are. And um, so we'll, we have a lot of these young stunt guys. I wish I was one of them. I, I, I think I was right at the tail end of my career when that really was a big thing. But now uh, this younger generation are literally taking, you know, black magic cameras or iPhones and shooting, cutting, editing, doing after effects. And so what we're doing is we're, we're giving Responsibility to the stunt coordinators to come and go. Look, this is my idea. This is how I've I've written in the narrative what I want to happen. This guy walks into a room, grabs a hold of him, lifts him up over the head, takes him into the table. He gets up. He thinks he thinks he's knocked him out. He comes around, keeps he creeps around. Oh my God! He reveals him. He's not there. He's now behind him. He's got him by the neck. So I walk through all these pieces, understanding like what the tone is, how how big of the violence, how 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 detrimental do I want the violence to be with, with the, with, with, whether it be the antagonist with the protagonist. And, um, and we, we talk about it. We walk through in this production meeting of what I want. And so he'll take all those notes, get a group of the stunt guys together and they'll start piecing together a sequence for me. And I mean, it's incredible. They'll literally shoot in the afternoon. And by the evening, I've got an edited version with a little bit of music in the background, some after effects. And I'm like, amazing and then i'll just add a few notes that i think hey let's let's stay on this this one shot you know a couple beats longer and then we're good um yeah. but that's as a director that's how i put now it's it's a great thing so you're always again going back to rehearsing you know and putting these yeah. things together yeah and those things i see those all the time the previous like you said but it just makes so much sense. I mean, Game of Thrones, if you look at the BTS for that, they yeah. did a ton of that. Um, I was on a bunch of the Marvel TV shows um, that all did that kind of thing because especially when you are on a budget and in that case, you know, it's a TV budget, meaning they have a lot of money in their own respect, but they still yeah. have tight 
And so the more you can do and work out ahead of time, you're already figuring out the angles and it's just a matter of placing the camera and going. Everybody's on the same page already if they have looked at that previous. So that's that's really good. Yeah, it, it is. It's a huge thing. I now do a thing. I was when I first started directing, I was still and I should say I think people are still in the book. They have and I do. I I have I do have my 60 page script, whatever uh, TV series I'm on as a backup. But everything is is on my iPad. It's just an amazing thing. And now, um, for me, for the fact I don't do previs, uh, obviously, because now I'm directing. But I have a storyboard app that I that I have, and you'll literally go on location, and it, it's there's a there's still this this kind of feeling where like you're you're explaining to everybody in the room as you're walking with Tech Scout. I want you know. I want her to walk through these doors, the main actress, and she's gonna sit down right here to this, no, not the chair on the right, the chair on the left. And he comes to the window and, and you're finding it. And then all of a sudden, this this app that I have, I can literally take pictures on the spot and add people in within minutes. And then I just turn around, I show everybody from the grip department, DPs, and they're like, oh, okay. Now I get it. Now I know what you want. I'm trying to explain it to you. What's the name of the app now? We got to put that up too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go through my phone here and I'll. Uh, it is job. called. Uh, it's called Storyboard Quick. Storyboard Quick. It's called Storyboard Quick, and I don't know if you guys can can see that, but like that's me sitting there in the black shirt, and I just added a few uh, characters that I'm looking at. I think I'm putting so up the sudden, right. Yeah, uh, let me see if I, uh, here, I'll show you the, here it is. Storyboard quick. Yeah. It is yeah, an amazing. There's a storyboard studio too. So there's a bunch of different options so people can look that up now. These. Yeah. yeah. This one's fantastic. Uh, you can go from a three shot to a two hander and, and it's just, and I'll, and I'll board. What I'll do is I'll board if it's, if, especially if it's, which everybody loves those those good old dinner scenes, right? With twelve people at a table, yay! Um, How you cover? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'll I'll do some rough boards, and I go, look, you know, here's our whatever, our twenty mil wide, and let's 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 see if we can do a swingle here. So I'll I'll go through that stuff. Um, you know, you're Abe Martinez, right? You know, Abe Abe loves that stuff. So I'll just yeah. go through, and I do it with everybody, and it's kind of amazing. A lot of people still don't do it. Um, I just, it, I, if any advice I can get for young directors coming into television too, it's like prep, prep, prep. And one of the things is if you can stay ahead of the game during your, whatever, your seven or eight day prep that you have, um, use every and any tool you can to you find the one that kind of, you know, that you really adapt to, that you flow with, because all that stuff really helps every department you, from, you know, yeah. from UPM to BP. It's a great thing, and it just reassures everybody's on the same page because it's, you're right. It's true. It's like, yeah, they got money, but we don't got a lot of time. And now with COVID happening, you know, twelve-hour days are going away. Um, some shows like SWAT that I'm working on, they're down to eight hours a day, and uh, I'm going back to Queen of the South on Sunday, and right now I'm here nine days, nine 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 hour nine hour days. Sorry. Yeah. You know what happened? Uh, to, where does this industry go to? Where are those twenty-hour days we came to love? Right. Remember those sixteen, eighteen-hour days? And no, man, oh, they're gone. Okay, so you were talking a little bit about lenses. Let's talk about that a little because this is going to be maybe this is the basic one-on-one version of, of stunt shooting. <laughs> so you don't want to shoot if two guys are punching each other. One guy's punching another guy. You don't want to shoot a two-shot profile, right? Them facing each other. That's you're not ideals. Not ideal. Won't work. You can't over, over the shoulders. And and yeah. you always want to when you're throwing punches to always always aim for across the eyes because it's inevitable that you're gonna drop a little bit, which is still good because you're you're you looks like you're aiming towards the nose and the mouth on impact. So it's an OS over the shoulders. You got you got a guy behind you. And and your your main actor is right here front, and you're shooting right over the shoulder, and just coming from right to left. If that makes any sense to sell those yeah. punches, there are times you can be in a profile shot, but it's it's still a little tough. I still angle off when you're doing like these headbutts when you're coming in. As long as the person that's giving the hit 
it's closer to camera when you're taking the hit because then you can you can bury the other guy and it's really fast. But I would yeah. still try to pitch it over a little a bit three quarter. It's a little tough. <laughs> so uh, lens selection, would you obviously you want to be on a longer lens if you can? That allows you if let's say it's the punch, it allows the actors to be a little further apart so there's less chance of error. Um, yes. What, do you have a, a idea of lenses you choose for that length of lenses? You know, I I uh, it, it, I, I varies. It varies. I I'll go. You know, I'll go anywhere from. It's dependent on. I think I'm. I'm I'll, anywhere from a fifty to one twenty. You know, it just depends on 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 the long lens that I like to use, and de- it it just it's dependent on what the action is. Uh, like in like in uh, um, that Brad Pitt film. Uh, um, Help me out with this one, John. It's a fight. Uh, um, the they used a lot of long lens. The Brad Pitt film, uh, a Fight Club. They used a I lot of long. You said fight. Got that. No, I got that part. Fight Club. Um, it was. It. They, they did a lot of long lens, and I. I yeah. think it's great. Um, change it up, and a lot of guys are changing this. The long lens is a, is is your safety. Um, I, I, I'll stay between 80 and 120, but I really like to get inside if I can and be handheld or on an easy rig. Mm-hmm. There's something there's something kind of erratic and there's fluidity there. And what I'll do is I'll also change, I'll do kind of a shutter speed, you know, to change mm-hmm. it up a bit. Um, there's this kind of staccato movement that I really dig. There, there's something, uh, there's some realism, there's some authenticity to it that I feel. There's yeah. kind of in, you know, um, really dig. I mean, the the you're always trying to essentially hide that it's not a real fight, and you're you're describing tools in my mind as a DP too that would, you know, they enhance the excite the energy of the scene, but also find ways to hide things. So the tighter shutter angle, so that you get less motion blur, you're getting that staccato thing you're talking about. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. But it's also yeah the fifth jumping. It's not smeared between here, so you see every moment of its. It, it jumps, and so it makes it feel more impacty, even though it's probably less impacty. And then similarly, with the easy rig, you're moving the camera around. Do you really feel always keep the camera moving in a fight scene so that it's the energy? I, do. I do. It keeps the energy up, and it keeps the audience very subjective, like they're in it with them. I think yeah. the I think the the movability is really great to always kind of wrap around and take the impact chat and come back to the actor. I, I think that's, I think for me is, is, is my go-to all the time. I really dig that. There's, there's some moments that, you know, you know, everybody will have their opinion. Um, I've been in meetings with executives that have loved things that I've done and like, but they want to see more of these kind of wide angle shots and, um, and to keep everything in the frame and keep it a oneer. I I think I think there's a reason behind depending depending on on the story, uh, you know when it should be used. I I just believe in the fluidity of constantly keeping the camera moving in an action sequence, especially a fight, is really important. I think it I think it keeps it much more subjective. Great. Okay. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> cool. I, I think- matters right now um (laughs) it does let's talk about el chicano um tell us how that started how did you obviously your first feature you don't have to mention budget but was it a reasonable budget or was it tight and you had to be creative or tell me where that came how did all all the above you just said right there buddy (laughs) it was it was uh you know uh i've been in it for 30 years and i you know, I've been really so blessed and so fortunate to be around people like Joe Carnahan, you know, I'm going to name drop, David O. Russell, Ed Zwick, Norman Jewison. Um, I've really, I've really been really fortunate. And, 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 and for everybody out there that's young filmmakers, you, you think you know it all and you don't until you're, you're, you're in it. You're, you're really, really, you're, you're in it. You're constantly constantly learning and adapting to things and and i really believe once you stop you're in trouble you're really in trouble and with with ec i have to say i i'm so proud of the film good bad ugly um it was, it was a great learning experience it was really my film school it was really my film school because 
we we thought the studios were really interested in the film. Unfortunately, I wanted to keep it a uh, an all that cast, and there is a, a, a you know again, unfortunately, there was there were some execs and some studios that wanted me kind of mix mix uh, the characters up with Caucasians and and uh, and it's just this base this film was really based on my life story and where I grew up, and and everybody that was involved was was majority was Mexican American. Um, so we decided, Joe decided, and Joe really backed me up and decided, let's go private financing. And so we found these gas and oil guys in uh, Calgary who really loved the script. Lorenzo D. Bonaventura was, was on board, um, really loved the script also. Uh, I had written the original, God, almost 10 years ago. And then I did a rewrite in New York for about four weeks. And then I came back with, with, uh, with Joe, who's just a seasoned writer. And, you know, both of us together, we came up with this incredible, beautiful story. And, um, and we had, at first, the budget was $6 million. Um, now, when you look at IMDb, it says eight. I don't know where they came up with eight. It was, <laughs> we never had the six. It was, when you go with private financing, you know, unfortunately, the reality is that, you know, you have investors that are dropping out during the process of prep or during filming. I mean, there were times when I was I was literally in the middle of prep, and I think even a few times when I was shooting, going to meetings <laughs> on a Friday night or Saturday morning, or I I actually even think even during if we had a yeah yeah I I think the majority of them we were going out pitching to try to find more money in the middle of filming, majority wow. of time in the middle of prep, um, we fought the good fight, and in the end. Um, they ran out of money. And, and what the ending that you see is not the ending in the film, not the actual in the script. Um, we, we, I pieced that together uh, uh, with, our, um, with our editor um, as best we could. And, you know, also with Joe's guidance. Um, and I, had a, I forked that out on a credit card and then was reimbursed later on. It was, it was crazy. We just, you know, we, the reality of of independent financing is 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 tough, and it's I think tough too. Is like if you're as as a young director, always be prepared for the worst. You know, you could sit here and I could have one of my closest friends, Joe, tell me, "Hey, we got sixteen dollars to do this thing. It's going to be amazing," and people drop out. And if you're not ready for that, if you just lean on that one hundred percent. And think you know it's going to be fine. You know we're going to prep in twelve weeks. We're going to shoot for another twenty-eight days. We're going to have six million dollars all in the bank, ready to go. Don't be ready for that. Doesn't be ready for the worst. Be ready. Okay, the what ifs. Write them down. Bring notes. Yeah. What if it's down to three? What if? Uh, what if we? And we're losing locations left and right all the time. And it was tough. It was tough, but it, I tell you, it's gotten me ready. That'll never happen again in my career. I'll tell you that much. My next film, or, and, I, and I adapt everything now to television, you know, always ready to have your second and third options. You know, if we can't get that bar scene or the actress or, or maybe the studio comes back because we really don't dig that. We decide to go from the bar scene to the parking lot with two cars. Okay, sure, no problem. Let's figure it out, you know? And I think I, I learned, I a tremendous amount in uh in that film but yeah we uh started to ramble on but yeah we uh it, it says oh, it stuff. says eight it says it was eight it was it was six but i i don't i don't i never saw the six yeah. <laughs> it was 100 here right. 50 there 75 there yeah it was uh, it's nice it that was you a tell yeah, you tell the story. You know, it's a six million budget. Could be six hundred thousand dollars. Could be sixty thousand. All those things you dealt with will happen to anybody who's at that level of getting independent financing and not. You know, there's almost no guarantees, no matter what level you're at. Unless, I mean, I would say even when you have one hundred fifty million dollars, if you aren't prepared, you could lose that opportunity as well. But in this small budget thing, those are things that's smart to be prepared constantly for change be adaptable because if you lose a location or you can't afford suddenly a location or you lose some financing, you need to be able to say, okay, yeah, let's do it over here, you know, instead. And that's that prep you said in your mind, getting ready for anything. Exactly. And, and you know, that's a key word. That, that's a great word. Remember, be adaptable. 
You should put that. I, I should have wore that. I, I should have made a T-shirt of that when I was on set. Be adaptable at all times. It, I think what happens is, especially when you're doing something with friends and family, and there's a kind of a bit of a security blanket, you're thinking it's going to be fine. You know, it's like you've had people in your career, at least in my career, and, I, and, and anybody else as they come up, where they've said they do something, they do it. Joe's been that way with me, Carnahan, David O. Russell's been that way, Ron Stein. And then, you know, there's hiccups, there's real life. And this this one particular, you know, time on this film, it was, I, I found myself a bit too much of a security blanket and thinking, it's going to be great, it's going to be fine. And it wasn't, it was a challenge. You know, we just, you know, you have to be adaptable when the money's not there, when you lose locations, you don't get the actors that you want. Um, you, you, you know, you, you want, you really, you, as much as I love Calgary and the people, it wasn't where I really wanted to be. I wanted to be in East LA. We, we shot, you know, 23 days, 22, 23 days in Calgary, which everybody was amazing and wonderful. Um, but the story takes place in East LA and we only did five <laughs> days exteriors out there. Um, Nobody still got it done. Come on. That's why it's magic. <laughs> That's right. Movie magic, but for me, you know, and you, and you adapt, you adapt. It's all, it's all good. There were certain certain things that I was prepared for, and then there was others where, you know, and and like we go back to prepping. Just have your shot list, have your you have your two different options, and and be adaptable at all times. You need so to, you have to talk about that also um, on a tighter budget like that, where you need to be. Do you ever do you cover the scene? with masters first, just in case you, that's all you end up having time to do is the two shot or the group shot. Um, oh, you know, how do you protect yourself like that? Yeah, because a lot of high, bigger budget people will say, oh, I prefer to get the close-ups first because this is better performance or whatever. But the truth of the matter is if you can't do coverage and you only got one angle and you run out of time or light, you know, you're screwed. Always, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and it's, and to me, those are the, those could be some of the, you know, of course, on television it's different, and um, but on a film that's yours, you're creating. I think visually, I love, I love these beautiful wides. I love yeah. these wide, fourteen mil, eighteen mil wides, where you know you have these people talking. You're out from a distance. I think there's something very mm -hmm. intriguing, interesting to see that instead of there's just moments where I, I, you do TV, and they're like, I'm in this beautiful wide with, uh, you know, with with four talking heads, and it's like I just want to stay here. Yeah. Like the whole scene right there it's so cool it you know it's it's kind of a michael mann type moment you know it's like it's just right there that's it it's all i need um but you know obviously for television you got to go in coverage but yeah priority is always the wide yeah always so um let's so with El so tell me what first of all tell me where you're going next with your feature film directing you did El Chicano. is that out yet by the way uh, EC, yeah, it came out. It came out uh, this this past year. Yeah. So and uh, so it kind of came out. Yeah, did it? It did its deal. We got a it got a cool, cool cult following. So it's kind of nice. Cool. Kind of nice. Can we can we where can we find it right now? Right now, you can find it. It's on on Apple. It's on um, um, Apple uh, Apple Film um, or iTunes. Um, it's also on Netflix, Amazon Prime. And I think it's on Hulu now, and Great. I think I, I think it's coming up to Disney also. I think Disney had a piece of it also, which was nice. Um, yeah, it's great. Now it's um, I'm in the middle of I just finished a script with a fantastic actor by the name of Richard Cabral, who's one of the lead actors on the Mayans, and um, it's 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 really about his life story as a kid growing up in in, in East Los Angeles, all the trial and tribulations. This was a guy that was. That was he was going to spend life in jail for attempted murder, and um, he worked his way through the system, and he got another opportunity, and was going through the homeboys uh, organization with Father G in Los Angeles, and got a second chance, and right. rehabilitated himself. Next thing you know, he was on an American Crime Story and was nominated for an Emmy. Three years prior, he was in Tatchapi State Prison. Wow! So. Talk Talk about dreams, yeah. And he's just a beautiful human being. And we've been spending a lot of time together the last three months and our, our lives are very similar and where we grew up and what we dealt with with our families and, and what all the obstacles we had in the neighborhoods. And um, 
So we wrote this beautiful kind of coming of age story, but a young, you know, Latino kid who's a gifted poet and um, and really has the opportunity to think outside the box, have a future if he wants one as 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 a as a uh, as a writer. And but he's dealing with all these obstacles and the pure pressure of of, of growing up in the barrio. And so right. Yeah, it's it's at. Um, we're really excited. It's it right now. It's at Disney and at Screen Gems and at Sony and and so we're we're in talks. So we're excited about that. And um, and then I'm I'm just I'm in the midst of uh, writing a few writing writing an idea. Uh, two things right now. I'm in, in the middle of two projects. One, I've always wanted to do a boxing film related to my brother. My brother, unfortunately, he was on the U.S. Olympic team with Oscar De La Hoya. He's he's been diagnosed with CTE. So it's been really tough for him to adapt. And uh, so this story is kind of a, a, a tribute to him. And then I'm also writing another film that's uh, stunt related. All the trial and tribulations that I went through, and you know, in the business. Um, and and really a really kind of grounded story about um, the stunt men and women. What happens? You know, what happens when they're at that age, when they don't make the transition, stunt coordinating or second unit directing, and they just want to be soldiers, like they're pro athletes, right? So a yeah. ball player eventually becomes a designated hitter or a runner. And if they, right. they join the front office or, you know, uh, you know, coaching minor league ball, if that's what they want to do, but what happens to them? And it's, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's a tough situation to be in, you know? Yeah. So, so do you hard. feel that? With, with El Chicano, that it opened doors for you? Um, do you feel that that was, because I often preach that, you know, I work with a lot of companies, they're like, we want to be filmmakers. Like, well, then make a small film because you make one yeah. and then maybe you can make another because you're proving the concept that you can make films. None of them have to, they don't all have to be brilliant. But the fact that you put a film together that was competent and shows that you know what you do will in its own serve to, but if the film's good, that'll even be better. But how has El Chicano worked for you in terms of getting you further in the industry? John, you said it. that's exactly what it is. It's for, for, first of all, with El Chicano, yeah, it put me on, it put me on the map. Um, um, it's, it's opened the door up to several meetings and several pitches and several ideas um, to sit down and, and actually have gotten, it, it's, it's been incredible to sit here and go, wow, there's another, you know, it used to be like they would they would drop off scripts. Now they mail them to you. So, you know, um, the first year that it that it came out, I mean, there's there's been scripts being sent to me from almost every studio. You know, Great. good or bad, they're okay. You know, but it's nice to it's nice to be wanted and just to be able to look at these and go, hey, you know, you're you're, you're in the running it. for this, or you. I'm sorry. You're getting scripts. Yes, that's. I'm getting scripts. That's that's the first battle, exactly. And then also the opportunity. If you do something on your own, it gives you a chance to also be creative and write ideas down. And if you're not a hardcore writer, the fact that you can write a title and a theme and a synopsis and a logline and be able to have somebody come in who's a seasoned writer help you is another option. Because when you do, when you take initiative, like you said, John, to to direct a short film or a small film on a small budget, the fact that they see your confidence, that you can tell a story, that you can work with actors is a huge thing. Um, it, it definitely opens up doors, Correct. most definitely. We are almost out of time. So I'm gonna ask you one last question. Well, again, it could be yeah. multiple, uh, or multiple answers. What are your, what's your, what, what tips would you give what would be your number one or number two you know one and two um uh suggestions for young filmmakers to kind of get ahead in the career in their career as directors and filmmakers just like you did you know it's uh god there's a there's there's quite a few but i'm gonna i'm gonna simplify i'm gonna simplify do do three things three things that are big watch much watches watch your favorite films Films that you think that your genre is, whether it's horror, action, drama, comedy, um, and you know, I can't think of you know Larry Blanford was was a uh, is a is a well known um, uh, you know uh, second second unit DP who worked a lot with Michael Bay's company, and Larry would tell me all the time, it's like just 
watch movies, watch movies, watch movies. And what I learned also is not only watching movies, it's like, cause you could critique them as an audience member, but also as now you think you put yourself in a mindset as a director. Oh, I love that. Oh, maybe if you would have pushed in a little bit, you'll start to analyze things, which are really great. Whether it be, whether it be the TV medium, cause it's amazing now with Netflix and Amazon and everything, but also watch, watch features and then force yourself. That's number one. Number two, force yourself to watch things that you would never watch. Watch a French film. Watch, uh, I mean, one the film that really inspired me, and I have it up here, that David gave me was a movie called Los Olvidados by Luis Buñuel. It really, it sparked something in, my, in me to go like, I think I could really do this, you know? And I, it was a big thing for me. I think number two is to watch films that you would never think you'd watch. A, a European film, your subtitles. I mean, another one that was introduced to me God in the early nineties was a New Zealand film called Once Were Warriors. That just blew me away. That film. It just, it just, it was the the just the realism and the viscerality of it just kind of it's up to, to you. And sometimes you can't explain it. It's just within yourself. So that's yeah. those are the two things. And the and the third thing for me, which is was always a huge issue, especially coming from from the neighborhood I grew up in. I was a stunt guy, you know couple shots of whiskey and, you know, working out and hitting the ground and, you know, educate your mind, read, 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 read everything. Anything. It's like, it's like you, John, if you have a, you know, if there's a book that you think that just really sparked your imagination, read that book, you know, read all the greats, read, you know, you know, from, from like talked about from Scorsese to Tarantino to, you know, in a, in, you know, uh, you know, uh, a poet, uh, any of your favorite writers, just continue to read that anything's adaptable towards what you want to do. I think that's really important because you will be doing a lot as a director, um, whether it's feature or television, especially with television, you're going to be reading a lot and you'll get revised pages and things and, and things you have to change on the fly. Um, you really have to self-educate yourself big time. That makes so those sense. are my three yeah. things. That's good. Watching things that are out of your comfort zone is great because you want to expand your mind beyond just what you like. You want to, if people say this is a really amazing film, but you're like, eh, it's just not really what I'd like. See, <laughs> go watch it and ask yourself why did they think it's amazing, and if you get it. The other thing is watching films and and seeing if you understand why it works. Like some, it's oh, this is a really yeah. tense. Why is it intense? You know, watch it once and watch it again and say, can I understand why it's in it? Because you want to be able to have the skills to rebuild that like on your project later or something like that. So totally. it's the same, yeah. Exactly. Wonderful. Exactly. Well, Ben, you've been amazing. And we thank you very much for joining us. Um, and uh, we look forward to seeing your future uh, adventures. And we'll make sure to watch Queen of the South. I'll uh, make sure to watch for your episodes, particularly. Yeah. Uh yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. episodes one and two. And and listen, I'm very honored and privileged to be part of this, John. Thank you so much for, for reaching Thank you out. It was, it, it was great to be a part of this. Thank great. you so much. Thanks, man.